Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Enjoying the podcast? Let us know. Send a recording or written testimonial to podcast at cbeinternational.org of why Mutuality Matters matters to you, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Lila Van Gerpen, I am Rob Dixon. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is, of course. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners, exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guest is Reverend Tim Breen. Reverend Breen serves as the lead pastor of First Reformed Church of Orange City in Iowa, a position he has held since 2010. Tim did his bachelor's degree at Northwestern College and his Master of Divinity degree from Western Theological Seminary. His ministry interests are preaching, church growth, intercultural learning, and staff and church administration. And on Saturdays, you will find him cheering on his beloved Michigan Wolverines. Tim, <laughs> welcome. Welcome. The 10 and 0 Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> Just to Love clarify, it. yes, heading yeah. heading to Ohio State or receiving Ohio State in the big house? We've got to travel down to Columbus this okay. year. Nice. All right. All right. Here's across. There we go. Well, it's great to have you. It is so good to have you here. Uh, we'd love to start with this icebreaker question. What's a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate from literature, movies, et cetera, and why do you appreciate it? Wow, that's a great question. The one that comes first to my mind was in the, the TV show, The Americans, oh. um, which was a great kind of slow burn television show in which a, a Russian couple, believe it or not, yeah. was uh, was inserted as moles and spies on behalf of uh, the USSR and had to partner together through all these different puzzles um, undercover for uh, a period of you know five or six years, I think the show spans raising a son and a daughter, trying to keep their uh, subterfuge intact and uh, get this intel on the U.S. during the Reagan administration. So that's that's one that comes immediately to my mind. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't had that one before, like, I, I don't know. think, right? <laughs> the Americans. Is it is it still going, Tim? No, the show wrapped up, I, I think, three years ago. One of the okay. best series finales you'll ever see. It's oh, a great wow. reward if you watch that show all the way through. Cool. Okay, noted, noted. Good. Well, as you know, Tim, this podcast explores the dynamics of women and men working together in ministry. I'm curious as we start, um, tell us how you hold this value in your life and in your leadership there at the church. 
Thanks, Rob. That's a great question to get started with. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor of a staff of uh, 14 other individuals, in addition to myself. So along with me, there are seven men and seven women. Hmm. And it's a delight every day to to come into the office and, and uh, think through ministry opportunities with these men and women to share joys and heartbreaks with them uh, and personally i have been afforded and privileged that uh, that opportunity to serve as the lead pastor here and for me there is uh, a responsibility to set the tone for uh, a staff with mixed gender uh, partnerships uh, taking place sometimes leaders have to go first uh, we have to be able to see around corners and sometimes we have to be the first ones out on on the narrow ledge and uh, i was uh, convicted early on in my ministry here, like my third year, to just begin to cultivate a, uh, a culture that would lift up the gifts of both men and women and to find this this mutual energy that's released by um, understanding that men do not have the market cornered on theological or ministry impact, but together, beautiful things happen, beautiful things emerge when men and women come together. Um, and to, to recognize right now in this moment, my friends, that mm -hmm. questions of of gender uh, and are really contentious and to to step up in this moment and to begin to help our congregation think about how to approach these key cultural questions, um, given the opportunity that, that the Lord has afforded me to serve as a lead pastor. I love hearing about how you hold this value. Um, would you unpack for us a little bit like how? How did you get there? How did you get to this place of holding this conviction? What's your journey been like? And uh, yeah, what's that been like for you? Well, for me, it's a story of family and it's a story of hermeneutics. Uh, the family side is noteworthy. I'm the fourth uh, Reverend Breen in my family. My grandpa, <laughs> my daddy, and my uncle are all pastors. And we all have approached this issue a little bit differently. Believe it or not, my grandfather uh, opted out of one denomination and into another because of kind of a pretty uh, stern complementarian position. And um, I think my dad sort of uh, moderated that a little bit. But for me, I was convicted that I needed to research, to study, to pray, and then to also uh, kind of graft on the experience that I have of working with women to an understanding of how the church is really going to flourish best. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and we could talk about the various kind of scriptural discoveries that I've made, but uh, in, in broad contours, I came to see that the Bible uh, recognizes the gifts of women in such a way that, that the biblical view of men and women working together is such a subversive and countercultural message that it became an accelerant for women interacting with, engaging with the Greco-Roman world. And the church becomes this portal to new opportunities and new liberties and especially new values in the first century and afterward. To me, it's just stunning to see how the Bible unfolds this idea of new creation encompassing women in leadership in a time where I think we probably heard the, the second century prayer, you know, how uh, the, the Jewish, I pray that I am not a slave or, or a, a woman, uh, and, and in which uh, other scholars have said women essentially took on kind of the, 
the characteristics of goats that needed to be brought to heal and, mm -hmm. and just terrible kind of misogyny taking place in that era, which the Bible warred against in the, the first century and continued to lift up the position of women. Wow. Yeah. But, Lai, we just need to give Tim like a, a, a <laughs> time to just preach, I think, maybe. <laughs> I mean, Tim, you mentioned some of the texts. Do, do you just have like a, a short you know, take on one of them that's been super, like, as part of your process, it's been extra special in terms of your, your analysis and your, your study or significant. I, I think, yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of the ones that you probably thought of before Romans 16 being among mm -hmm. them, some of the stuff in Philippians, I've, I'm always been fascinated by Acts chapter nine, mm -hmm. where uh, the apostle Paul, uh, you know, has as a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And at the beginning of that, he, tries to acquire permission to arrest members of the way, both men and women, mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me because mm -hmm. it's been the long understanding in the ancient world that women are non-combatants. They're not a threat that you, if you're going to impri imprison the men and the women are harmless, mm -hmm. but it was, it's fascinating to me to see that an adversary of the church says, no, the women are having such an impact on this that we need actually to try to bring them in as well. Wow. And then just, of, of course, one of the archetypes here is, is, the, is the women after the resurrection, which I think as, a, as someone who teaches at the collegiate level, I see as a passage which was probably pencil hit paper 30 or 40 years after the fact, when it would have been really easy to smudge that detail out of the historical record and just say it was John, it was Peter or, or one of the apostles. Mm -hmm. But even though they didn't need to say that, they did. They chose to... Um, to praise the women as being the first evangelists of the resurrection. The first word of the kerygma comes from the mouths of women who were there at the tomb. And to me, that is just of incalculable value and wow. significance in the Bible. Yeah. 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 Tim, I can't wait for your book on this topic. That's uh, <laughs> phenomenal. Um, t tell me, uh, tell us practically, kind of what does this look like day in, day out for you to live out this value for women and men in partnership in your, in your context I mean, how do you work with, uh, I think you said seven women on your staff and other women that you come into contact with? What does that look like day in, day out? There's a couple of best practices for me, but you, you asked about my context and what is unique to my context, not unique, but specific to my context, is that I have two women on my staff who had a front row seat to uh, an adulterous affair in a previous congregation where they worked. Um, wow. And so their their radar is super sensitive to misogyny and spiritual abuse. And I'm fortunate to have uh, their trust and they know that I they have my ear um, to have kind of heightened awareness of when things might be going a little bit uh, off vector and to sort of recalibrate. Mm -hmm. But for us, uh, mutuality is uh, a celebrated and enculturated value. It's not something we aspire to. It's something that we are absolutely committed to. And like uh, kind of every cultural uh, movement that involves the things you celebrate, the things you narrate, the way you innovate, and of course, what you tolerate. Uh, your toleration can impact your culture as well. And so there's certain things that you absolutely have to address when they arise. So here we value uh, expertise over ego, um, um, spiritual maturity over age, and then good judgment over gender. And mm -hmm. so we, we we refuse to sort of accept the conventions for where women should serve in a church. In fact, we make a 
men serving in the nursery requirement uh, because that's absolutely vital as well to the health of the church. Um, other things we do, we, we try to spend as much time as we can outside of the office with our families mm -hmm. to see one another as not just co-employees, but also spouses and parents uh, to almost recognize our church staff as a small group unto and of itself. And then I think there are just some small things that I try to practice as well, uh, just comments or gestures that I think do uh, sort of over time accumulate uh, and communicate empowerment. For instance, I try my very best not to uh, use the phrase my staff mm -hmm. when I talk about the folks that I work with. Mm -hmm. and not that there's anything wrong with that, but to me, it cultivates mutuality more when you refer to it as our team or, you know, even uh, the staff rather than my yeah. staff. Um, I, I, I don't want to, to lead from the top of a pyramid. I want to just be arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder with the folks that I'm privileged to serve with. Um, and, and, and just in other ways, just again, within the staff, trying to um, work against the conventional stereotyping when I need a volunteer from the team to follow through with a certain project to, to choose based on spiritual giftedness mm -hmm. and sense of call rather than perhaps what has always been the role of a man or a woman within the church setting. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love your, the clarity that you have yeah. of, of the type of mm -hmm. um, culture that you want to lead within. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah, and you're and you're doing the the little things that perpetuate yeah. that culture. Yeah, the quote unquote little things, right? Because yeah, I think they can be rather significant. Yeah, it's meaningful great. things. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I think that some of those one degree adjustments that you yes. can make, extrapolated over time, can can land you in very different destinations. Yeah. and awareness about that has always been important for me to see that. Um, Culture lives in the phrasing that we use. Culture lives in um, mm -hmm. eye contact. Culture doesn't just live on the posters on the walls. It lives in our interactions. And, and to be marked by the fruit of the Spirit in everything that we do. Um, so I think Galatians is such an important yeah. um, kind of groundwater for mutuality as well. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how Paul lands the plane with, with those churches in Galatia, the, the fruit of the spirit as being countercultural ways in which Christians respond to difficult situations mm -hmm. and a package around the fruit of the spirit are all the ways that people who are not in step with the spirit respond to problems. Mm -hmm. um, but as for those who are in Christ, we're called to love and self-control and gentleness and kindness those need to be the hallmarks of a strong staff culture. Yeah. And I think when leadership models that it builds so much trust in the community as a whole, you know, well, you have this strong biblical theological conviction for mutuality. Um, can you talk about what you do to help your congregation develop theologically? So what are you doing to help strengthen their conviction and their heart for it? I think that for me, what I recognize as, as one of my primary roles in the 21st century um, is to be someone who points at culture around us and then points at scripture and then just simply raises the question with folks, now, which vision do you want to follow? Yeah. And so I really enjoy uh, bringing to light, you know, what's trending on social media, what people are streaming on, on Netflix or Hulu right now. 
and then to to hold out to them okay what does this actually imply what are the implications what's the end of the road in this kind of a worldview and then to say okay here's an alternate way of yeah. perhaps approaching the same sort of heart longing from the bible and to simply ask people where they want to land on that it's fascinating to me that in the book of acts uh, the Christian movement is referred to eight times by this term, the way, you know, capital W way, as if it, it's it's this pathway, it's this road, it's this invitation to approach the world in a different light. And I think so much of what the church was doing in the first century was trying to be distinct, not only from imperial Rome, but also from, you know, the kind of the Herodian influence in Palestine and these other expressions of Judaism, like uh, Pharisaism, Sadducee. Christianity was trying to be a way that was out of something and into something. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that language can be so powerful today as well. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, as narrow is the path that leads to life. And in particular, as questions of how God has created us as gendered beings with uh, these, these different gifts and these different opportunities is something that right now the world is talking about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I believe is coming to some conclusions that will not lead to the best flourishing for uh, the people of this planet that we're called to, to minister to. And so... What I see my task is as a pastor in some sense is to just offer that choice again. And in a congregation like I have, I have a lot of folks who are new to the faith mm -hmm. and I have a number of people who have been veterans in the pews for eight or nine decades. And so I have kind of the twin responsibility of making an unfamiliar Bible approachable to those who are new to it. And then also making an overly familiar Bible unfamiliar and exotic and wild and and precocious in its own way to, to invite people into something better less dull uh this new creation that is powerful and blossoming i think is a winsome invitation to the world right now as much as ever wow i love that <laughs> i just how you describe the 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 challenge of that tim i mean i think of those two camps and that's uh that sounds complex and also kind of fun kind of invigorating. I think I mean, it's because it's complex, Rob, that it's invigorating. Yeah. Uh, God yeah. calls us to, to challenging uh, uh, tasks and mm -hmm. to uh, things that are consequential yeah. rather than run of the mill. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what's fun about being a pastor right now. Yeah, that's great. Um, let, let me ask you this, a, a broader question. And this is sort mm -hmm. of the, the question we like to ask our folks at the end of the interview or toward the end of the interview around kind of your hopes for the church. This is where we could like open the door and let you just dream of where you'd want to see the church go specifically around this area of mutuality and women and men in partnership. So what words would you use, Tim, to, to inspire the listeners as sort of we look ahead and look down the road in a church that, like you've said, is uh, this is a countercultural value in lots of ways. So what's, what's your encouragement for us? What are your dreams for the church? Thanks, Rob. My, yeah. my dream over the last few months has really been birthed out of Romans 12 as a vision. All, all 
from the beginning to the end of that chapter is such a compelling invitation to uniqueness and to witness and to love and to mutual humility um, as all members of the body of Christ toward each other. And certainly that includes men toward women and women toward men. Um, thinking about each other as members of one body um, with these different gifts. For me, that's kind of the biblical dream. The personal dream, I cannot divorce from the fact that I'm a dad and I have one son and two daughters. And it, my hope is that whatever path they choose, whether there's a fifth reverend brain in the family or not, <laughs> that it could be not only my son, but it could be one of my daughters as well. Uh, and that all the doors would be unlocked to them using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has planted within them for the flourishing of the church and that they might have impact as well. So I, I hope for a day in which the church arrives at a consistent hermeneutic about these kinds of matters, that it can recognize and, and sort of be jump-started once again mm -hmm. by the message of Jesus for the world. Uh, and not only the message, but also the method of Jesus, where he brings Mary Magdalene in, where he honors his mother in the last moments of his life. When Jesus identifies himself as the groom who is going to a bride um, and just madly in love with this dirty, scarred, <laughs> wayward wife as Hosea was for Gomer and embraces her and the church then extends her arms to receive the love of Jesus for the world and then turns around commissioned by Jesus to do the same to those who do not yet know him. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, it is. This is, I love your, the, your ability to just clearly articulate your conviction with such passion and it's compelling. I love mm -hmm. it. Yep. Um, this has been so great. If folks want to continue to connect with you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, the best place to kind of follow what I'm up to lately is on my blog. I blog at uh, www.telosblog.com. Telos is a Greek word that means like outcome or purpose. One of my favorite uh, Greek words. So I, I stole it from my blog title. And I, uh, I, I update that, uh, you know, every so often with probably some things that I've perhaps preached or thought about in the past and kind of can, you know, compacted it and digested it for uh, a five to 10 minute read. Hopefully that can be encouraging to people. I'm also on Twitter at TS Breen and uh, you can follow what's happening at our church at frcoc.org. Awesome. We'll include those in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you so much for being a part of this with us today. It was, a, it was an honor. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, Lai, it was a joy to have Tim on the on the on the podcast. I'm just what's standing out to you from that interview? Oh man, he was so clear in his like not just personal conviction, but his passion around yeah. mutual leadership. And mm -hmm. I loved what he had to say about Acts Nine yeah. and just how he this is a lens for him that he truly believes and sees scripture through. And then I love the way that he's pressing his community, his team and his leadership uh, uh, to, pr to, to really engage this on a heart level for them as, as well. Yeah. Not his team. That's the right. Team. <laughs> yeah, yes. for sure. Even yeah, it's that, all... I just think like, yep. yeah, that was so um, meaningful and insightful. Yeah. Yeah. What about for yeah, you? And well, and that's the thing that stood out to me too. Like this, 
I think he said in there like the 1% adjustments, like, and what he means by that, right. is like the, the day in day out things we do that shape culture over the long run. And I, I think that's just a good word for listeners and anyone that wants to change culture. You you don't do that all at once. You you do that through a series of 1% adjustments that you just keep doing. And over time, culture changes. So um, yeah, so that was, that was fantastic. Great to, great to be thinking about that. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can please leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, and how couldn't you, please share it with a friend. I'm Rob Dixon, and with my co-host Lila Van Gerpen, we would like to thank our guest, Reverend Tim Breen, and our talented editor, Landon Hook, as well as the Christians for Biblical Equality team. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our group of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters podcast, and thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.